Hey, what's going on? This is Jason Benzoff, Area Representative for the Fellowship of Christian Athletes in Palm Beach County, and you're listening to our very first podcast. Our heart at FCA is that we see the world transformed by Jesus Christ through the influence of coaches and athletes. Our team is all over Palm Beach County, and we're excited about what God is going to do in our area of influence. We have a lot of great topics and guests lined up for future podcasts, so if you could, subscribe to this podcast wherever you get them so that you can get notified as we post more. Now, I couldn't think of a better first guest for this podcast. Friend of FCA, David Lee, is a former college and NFL coach who has an impressive resume. Now, I'm not going to spoil anything. You'll just have to listen for yourself. Coach David has been a part of some FCA events we've had and absolutely loves what God is going to do through FCA all over. Our Metro Director, Greg Anderson, got to sit down with Coach David at First Watch in Plantation, Florida, to hear his great story. Enjoy. David, uh, thank you for being with us. Appreciate this opportunity just to have conversation with you and uh, consider you a friend of FCA and, and um, a great influence in the world of football. And those are two things we love. And, uh, thanks for for being with us today. You, Greg. Thanks for having me. You're nowhere I'd rather be this morning with you two guys. <laughs> thanks so much. Um, let's go back and let's uh, see where the story of David Lee begins. Uh, take us back to to Dexter, Missouri, and um, your your first falling in love with football. Well, my dad was the head football coach there. He's actually the head football, basketball, baseball, golf, and track coach. He was the only coach they had. It was a small wow. town there in the Boot Hill, Missouri. I was born in Cape Girardeau. But I grew up, you know, going to two-a-day practices and laying on the dummies and throwing the football on the side. And that's just, you know, how I grew up. And until uh, about, my, I think it was my, yeah, my eighth grade year, we left Dexter, Missouri, went to Pensacola, Florida. And I played all my high school ball in Pensacola. Nice. Nice. Good team there. Yeah. We uh, were a new school named Woodham High School and uh, hadn't won before. And we won. And that was fun, especially my junior year. Then my senior year, I dislocated my shoulder, which set me back. I missed seven games. But anyway, uh, I love Florida football. When we moved to Florida, football was the thing, you know, in Florida. I'd been in Missouri, and basketball was the thing. I was a point guard, led led all, you know, scoring. I was always playing the seventh grade team. I played on the eighth grade team in the seventh grade, you know, so I grew up in the gym. Like I said, I had an advantage over everybody else because my dad, his availability to, you know, all the sports programs there at Dexter High School. Right, right. And then at some point there was an intersection of faith in your life where Jesus came into the picture. You bet. I I, uh, signed with Vanderbilt. don't know why. Yeah. Florida offered me as a junior. Florida State offered me as a junior. And then Florida reneged their scholarship on me when I dislocated this shoulder I mentioned a while ago my senior year. And they withdrew the scholarship. And uh, But I chose Vandy over Florida State and wanted to play in the Southeastern Conference. So, you know, long story short, basically me as a high school kid, I fell in love with throwing a football to the point where I quit playing basketball as a senior because I just wanted to throw football every day. And I did that, and I was, you know, so preoccupied with if I practiced good, I was in a good mood. You know, it dictated my life, though I didn't know it, but it was. And so when I went to Vanderbilt, I went there with there was a running back that played at Fort Walton Beach Choctahatchee High School named Jamie O'Rourke, who I'd played against as signed to Vanderbilt the year before. And he convinced me on my recruiting visit. He said, David, you'll start here as a sophomore. You were ineligible then as a freshman. He said, you'll start here as a sophomore. So all we need is a quarterback. So we got everything else. And he was a great running back. I mean, a great all-state, first-team all-state running back yeah. from Choctahatchee there at Fort Walton. So I chose Vanderbilt and went up there and 
my freshman year, I re-dislocated the same left shoulder. Uh, I'm a right-hander, uh, but I read and so I had surgery. They said we got to fix this, and it was surgery. I was out the whole semester. Grades were awful. I had two D's and F and an incomplete, and wasn't happy at Vanderbilt. Wanted to transfer, and Florida State told me you can get your grades up, you can transfer. You know, and a couple other places I called and I visited, and so anyway. Um, Finally, my sophomore year, I got my chance the third game, and uh, I had the head coach. Bill Payson was the head coach. Steve Sloan wasn't there yet. Bill Parcells wasn't there yet. That star-studded staff that became yeah. a bunch of stars were a year away. And uh, a head coach called me in the third game said, David, he said, uh, we need some passing going. And you're a passer. He said, you're drop back passer. He Time said, to throw it. Yeah. we're going to put you in. You're going to start this week. And so I went in the game. Greg, it was a Virginia game at home, and we won the game. We hadn't been winning, but we won the game, and I went zero for ten passing. I didn't hit a pass the whole night. And I remember we won the game against Virginia, and I threw one long bomb that got intercepted. Then I had a couple drop. The night was over. I went zero for ten. The next day, the Tennessee and the Nashville Tennessee and the newspaper had headlines: Lee Hurl's first shutout of football season. And I read that. And I'm telling you, I just, the confidence just oozed mm. right out of me. Everything mm. I'd ever wanted was to be a starting college quarterback. That's all I wanted, Greg. Yeah. You know, and, and uh, so in that offseason, a guy named Bo Patton, and, and there was another man i got to mention, uh, Frank Hart Smith, Pogo Smith. Anybody in Nashville that hears this podcast will know who Pogo Smith was from years gone back. He started and he built the FCA and he would come into our dormitory. And I can remember on Wednesday nights, he, about 8 o'clock, him knocking on my door. I said, oh, no, it's that Pogo guy again. You know? And he's always trying to get me to come to an FCA meeting. I might have went to one or two. I don't know. You know, wasn't really comfortable anyway. So then this big linebacker on our team, again, in the offseason after that, that football season, they fired the Vanderbilt staff. They hired this new staff, Steve Sloan, guy played quarterback for Bear Bryant there at Alabama, played right between Namath and State, but he won the national championships for him because the other two usually got suspended by the bowl game for doing something <laughs> crazy. And so Steve was our coach. He was a strong Christian. I'd never been around kind of an influence like Steve, and, and he was a quarterback guy. And he coached the quarterbacks, but he called the plays too. It was awesome. He was like the offensive coordinator. And so uh, anyway, I was so fired up about him <clears throat> coming. That spring before Steve was hired, a guy named Bo Patton, Bo was the linebacker on our team's best defensive player on our team, but he was a Christian. And I didn't get too close to Bo because he's always carrying his leather Bible around with him and, and, and talking about Jesus. And I wasn't comfortable he, with him. He was that guy. He was that guy, <laughs> the guy to stay away from. Yeah. You know? And so he knocks on my door. He comes in and right in the, right, I don't know, probably, it was probably February or March, you know, of, of, of 1973. And he came in, he said, you know, David, I wanted to talk to you, you know, and he started sharing Christ with me, and I ran him out of my room. And then he came back the next night, again, saying the same same stuff, you know, and he, and he mentioned something. He said, David, he said, I want you to share this He said, because it's obvious. He said, you work, you throw in the snow out there right now. In the winter, you're out there. I saw you in the stadium throwing with Dietrich. Da, da, da. He said, you, have you ever thought about giving Christ your life? Have you ever thought about seeing what kind of quarterback he wants you to be? Because the one you're trying to be, you're screwing it up. I just wanted to tell you that. And so I said, get out, Bo, and I ran him out again. Well, he comes back the third night, and he's got another guy with him. He's got that guy that recruited me, Jamie O'Rourke, from Choctahatchee, Fort Walton Beach. Now, look, I knew O'Rourke. He and I ran together. You know, we'd go to Florida State on spring break to see the girls, and he had a convertible, and, you know, I enjoyed life with Jamie. Well, Jamie's with Bo. And they're both in there. And O'Rourke's got a Bible in his hand. I'm freaking out looking at this guy. <laughs> well, O'Rourke has just shared with me 
but he's just asked Christ into his life and he's changing who he was because he wasn't a real popular player on the team but a heck of a player okay but I liked him because of the charisma and belief and the confidence and the you know the swagger he had he was a handsome looking guy yeah. and anyway so Jamie's and I are about to get in a fight in my room a physical fight we're about to hit each other over this thing over Christ wow. and then I run them both out. I'm waiting for them. I'm ready the fourth night. I know they're coming back, and they don't come, Greg. You know, they don't come. And so I started thinking about that one thing that Bo said, and then I saw Jamie change. I could see it in his eyes. He was a different guy, different person. There was a piece in his, in his eyes that was different than that fighting spirit that I'd seen earlier. You know, not that the fighting spirit was gone. It wasn't gone, but it was just a different glow about him. And Jamie told me that that second night, he said, why don't you get out of the way and let Christ come into your life and ask him into your life and be the kind of quarterback he wants you to be. That kept going through my head, Greg. And so I got on my knees. They didn't come. And I prayed. I said, okay, Jesus, if you're real, I want you to come into my life. But you got to show me you're real, Lord. Please show me tomorrow morning when I walk to class at Econ 100. I want to see, you know, that you're real in me. Because I, when I was eight years old, Greg, I, I uh, grew up in the Baptist church, and we had a revival guy named Brother Red. And Brother Red came to town, and man, he was preaching about hell and how it was hot, how it was fire, and it was burning. And, and I was eight years old. I ran up there at the end when he said, "You want to get saved? Come on up, man." There was Sign a slew. There must have been fifty of us up yeah. there in a small church. Yeah. Signed me up. He asked me, he put his arm around me, he said, "Sonny, why'd you come up here?" I said, "Because I want to burn up in hell," you know. And that's all I knew. As a Christian my whole life. But I mean, I didn't know the thing that Bo and Jamie and them were asking. Because the next morning when I walked to class, the first thing I saw them walking to class as girls. I looked at the girls. And it's the first time in my life I saw them as people. Instead mm. of something you size up on Pensacola Beach or everywhere else you, you know, right, walked right. And, and, and went in life. And then the second thing was the guys sitting around me in that econ class. I looked at the guy on the right and I said, hey, what are you majoring in? And he said, uh, architecture. And I looked at the guy on the left, I said, what are you majoring in? He said, chemical engineering. And the guy on the right punched me, he said, what are you majoring in? I said, I don't know, I just came up here to throw football. You know, and that yeah. was about who I was. Yeah. My God was football, Greg. Mm. It was totally football. And I prayed that prayer, and I looked at those guys as people instead of nerds. Why? Because I went to Vanderbilt, and people had big, thick glasses and slide rules on the side of their belt. And I didn't have any of that crap and didn't want any of that. It wasn't me, you know. Yeah. But I started seeing them as people, and I started seeing girls instead of objects, something to size up, as people. And it was really cool. Yeah. Yeah. It was really different. Yeah. And so through that, I got developed that personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And then understood and started learning about there was a three-pronged deal. There was a God. There was a son, Jesus, who saved all of us like we would just accept you know christ in our life you know as somebody who could give us salvation as plus all the things of me trying to turn football over to him and see what kind of quarterback he wanted to make me well those things interested me big time and so right. there i went on my way well my junior year i didn't start i played only 16 do only 16 passes the whole year i wasn't good enough to start but i thought it was way better than the other guy but i wasn't you know and in my senior year it all happened and i led the sec in passing we went to the peach bowl uh just I was the captain of the team. I got 59 out of 60 votes, and I didn't vote for myself. Wow. Yeah, yeah. and the MVP, I married the girl that, that I shared Christ with. She was an atheist, devout atheist, Lynn Kazanowski, Polish girl. Prettiest girl you ever seen. Prettiest girl on campus. I looked at her. I hadn't met her in two years. I said, Lynn, 
I said, where have you been hiding for two years? She said, I've been right here. I said, you don't go to Peabody? Which school across the street. Well, that really insulted her. I didn't know she got a full academic scholarship from, you know, to Vanderbilt. Yeah. She said, no, I didn't go to Peabody. You know, well, she looked at me like, you know, I was a jerk. I said, well, where have you been hiding? She wow. said, I, I, I've been right here. Well, God was hiding her, obviously, from me. Yeah. So, so I start, you know, I ask her out on a date. Well, she's an agnostic. I mean, I hear the words come out of her mouth that I didn't want to hear. She looked at me. She said, what is it about your eyes? I said, what do you mean? She said, they're dancing all the time. And I said, oh, no, that's you, Christ. I'm not telling her about you. And he <laughs> said, tell her about me. And boom. I shared my testimony with Lynn. She, about two weeks later, became a Christian. And Greg's the biggest miracle I see every day in my life. And her <clears throat> is she has never ever said one curse word because she was bad before i mean i could hear the wow. curse words in her you know one yeah. of the first two weeks i was you know courting her yeah, <laughs> for another right. word but never a d-a-m-n word s-h nothing yeah. ever to this day out of her mouth here 50, 47 years later i mean she's wow. just she's a walking she's a saint she's a prayer warrior we have 14 grandkids we had four children but long story short, that senior year, when I gave my life to Christ, I can't tell you how many times I'd pray for gang, dear God, dear Lord in heaven, give me your vision. Let me see clearly. Give me your poise, Father. I don't have enough poise to, you know, to beat Tennessee today, to beat Florida today. We beat Florida 24 to 10. They were fifth in the country, one pole, fourth in the other. And I would just ask him to play through me. And I mean, we, we're playing two lane for the Peach Bowl. We get it. We win. We get it. We don't. We don't. And the game comes down. The last play of the game is a two point play. And it's a play that the coach called. And I prayed all the way to the sideline, Lord, just play this play through me. Give me poise. Give, because he caught the play all the way back to the huddle. I'm praying. It took forever to develop with a tight end, blocking and then releasing and coming to the back of the end zone. And I bet I held the ball for four seconds. And they're all over me. And I threw it. We hit it. We won the game. But that was a perfect nice. example of letting Christ play through me, see through me, yeah. give me poise. I said, man, I want this relationship forever in everything wow. that I do. And Greg, that's a long, long answer to your question. But no, I love it. That's, that's where great, it happened. Uh, that, that's a great story. And here's what I love about it, David, is is you, you admittedly said football was a God, little G God, in my life. And when you came to the real God, Jesus, in, in your life, surrendered to him, he actually kept you in football. He didn't, like, move you to an African village and you became a missionary for Wycliffe translators or whatever. Um, God kept you in a place where you're passionate. And I know from conversations with you, when you talk about football, you, you light up, you get excited. So now, God still has you in the world of football, and you're finishing up a college career. And then take us, what, what was the next chapter? And, yeah. and how, again, was Jesus lining up those steps in your life? No question. You know, it was a draft. And the Chargers called me and wanted to know where I was going to be the night before the draft, where my number was, all this mm. phone number. Yes, this is the right number. It's a yes, good yes. Sign. Absolutely. <laughs> so, hey, my wife and I sat right by the television and watched the, it was then 17 rounds. I'm marking my age here, Greg. Yeah. 17 rounds in the draft. Nobody called the first night. And I just remember praying really hard. I said, Lynn, I just want you to agree with me. And of course, she was like, I know you're going to get drafted. You know. And I just prayed, because I really had an interest in coaching because of the influence Steve Sloan had on me. I actually named my son after him, Brian Sloan Lee. And because he touched my life in such a way, it was unbelievable. You know, I can remember walking in his office one day and saying, hey, coach, you know, I said, hey, I'm the best quarterback you got. And he said, no, you're not. I said, yes, I am. He said, no, you're not. 
And I said, I am, and you don't know it. Everybody on the team knows it. They tell me. I said, but you don't know it. And he said, yes, you do. When you're this much better than him, you're going to play him. And he said, don't you know, David, you're a Christian. God's got a plan for your life. And, Greg, I was frustrated. I, back. I said, yeah, coach, but you're getting in the way of his plan. <laughs> you know, but that's where I was. And so that was such a big thing for me to play and have that year because it yeah. threw me right into a deal where either I want to coach or I want to play pro football. And I said, wait a minute, Lord, you're in the middle of this thing. You want me playing in the NFL, get me drafted tomorrow. If not, I'm going straight to UT Martin. And if Steve Sloan left, went to Texas Tech, he wanted me to go be a GA, car sales and all that bunch. And so I go to UT Martin because I can coach quarterbacks and receivers and tight ends. And we didn't have but three coaches on offense and three on defense, but it was either go and get thrown into the fire and learn how to coach or yeah. go out to Texas Tech, be a graduate assistant, run back and forth to the airport, carrying film, <laughs> and, you know, be shipped out to the opponent the next week, those type things, yeah. car sales, coffee boy or whatever it was going to yeah. be. You that know? was my life. I did that. <laughs> okay. You know, Greg, what that was like. So that's what spurred car. me into coaching. And I went into coaching at UT Martin. I mean, George McIntyre was our secondary coach. His son, Michael's new head coach at Florida International University right down the road from us. That's cool. George, a great Christian, gave me that opportunity. And it worked out for me because I got to learn to coach. So two years later, I'm coaching quarterbacks at SEC and the SEC back at Vanderbilt. Coached at Ole Miss, coached at Arkansas, coached God moved me all over the place. And it's always, sometimes we wouldn't win, but it was a kid that God used me to lead to Christ somewhere. And he puts me where he wants me, you right. know, and it, I didn't always fit at the time, but I, I can look back now and see it crystal clear, everything that he moved, that he made. I just trusted him, Greg. Yeah, yeah. And I'm thinking about maybe somebody listening to this podcast, uh, and they need to hear that. And there's a, a scripture that says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he'll direct your paths. And that's, that's exactly your story. God's directed your path and uh, on to the NFL. Take us take us to the NFL and, okay. and give us a snapshot of Well, Coach Parcells became famous in the pro football level, and he came and got me uh, right after 2007. I was at Arkansas, excuse me, two, uh, 2001 2002. had a quarterback named Matt Jones, first-round draft choice guy who was a, played quarterback for us, played receiver in the NFL, and from there with – Parcells, we we I wanted the guy in the fifth round. Sean Payton wanted him in the fifth round. Got him Tony Romo. Nobody drafted him, mm-hmm. and so we got him as a free agent because Sean had gone to his school East Eastern Illinois and had really done a great job pre-draft of telling Tony, "Hey Tony, our quarterback situation is such that you're going to play a lot faster here than everybody else in this league right now." We were depleted quarterback wise. We had Quincy Carter, but he got kicked out of football for you know uh, you had substance abuse problems. He's doing better way better now he's a christian he's fired up he's sharing he's he's yeah he's he's a high school trainer of quarterbacks in dallas but anyway uh he sent me uh, uh god sent me with parcells bill called and said hey david come here i want you to you know work with these quarterbacks you're gonna be a quality control guy and learn the league and it was totally different you know I, he he introduced me in front of the whole staff he said this is david lee he's from arkansas he's a college guy he said he uh he's like a ball in high grass He's lost. That's how he invented me. I mean, and, and we had a staff, unbelievable. There was about eight head coaches on. Sean Payton's on that staff, guys. Mike Zimmer was on that staff. Tony Sperano, Todd Haley. I can go on and on. Oh, we had Paul Pascaloni, Syracuse. We were all there together. I was at UTEP. Anyway, so that we had uh, at the time, we had Benny Testaverde. Then the next year, we had uh, Drew Bledsoe, and then Romo pops up on the scene there into his fourth year, finally. 
and uh, I had a, a great deal of time spent with him just developing him, changing his release totally, which takes a lot of muscle memory, which took time to get him ready to go where he could hit what he was aiming at. In the NFL, those guys, there's about 10 or 12, Greg, and they can hit what they're aiming at when they want to right now, and the other ones are all struggling to find that. But Tony it took that, that, that length of time for him to do it. Then we left there and uh, went to uh, uh, back to Arkansas one year, 07, which is where I picked up the Wildcat from Houston Nut. And then, bam, it was to Miami in 2008 because Parcells became the vice president of football down here. And he uh, actually hired me and my wife and I went down there two weeks before we even had a head coach. I didn't know who he was. I just trusted Bill. So I, wow. he, she and I sat and ran around Fort Lauderdale, Miami. Got loved the area, fell in love with it after growing up in Missouri and freezing my butt off. So yeah. anyway, uh, long story short, there was Chad Pennington was the big guy that, that, you know, the Jets cut him. We picked him up on the waiver wire. And, man, we won the AFC East our first year, and we got stuck in the middle of it. It, and you were talking about being in the Wildcat, and, and uh, we're, we're, we're into our first two games. We're 0-2. We've rushed for 31 yards. And I had presented the Wildcat to the new staff. Dan Henning was the coordinator. He absolutely loved it, but our head coach, the late Tony Sprinkle, didn't like it. He said, David, this ain't pro football. And I said, I didn't say it was pro football, Tony. I said, it was a knuckleball. I said, it's a knuckleball that you it's throw in there with your offense, which is unbalanced. It's got a motion. And you say one word, Wildcat, and everybody knows what to do and just tag the play at the end. Yeah. And we sprung it on, on New England. You know, I, I shared it with Perfect. Brian Flores three years ago, and I worked with Brian. And uh, we laughed, had a big laugh. We just looked at each other and laughed. I thought he wanted to hit me, but yeah. Yeah, I brought, you know, he knew who, who I was and, and yeah. what we had brought from Arkansas, and it turned our whole season around. Went 11 and 5, won nine of our next, I don't know, 11 games, something unbelievable that happened there for a couple of years. Then everybody in the league caught up with it. But then I left there, and Josh, I coached uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick in Buffalo. Uh, was worked with the Jets. Great relationship with Rex Ryan. Really just working with Greg. Josh McCown was one of our quarterbacks. We had Tyrod Taylor was a two-time Pro Bowler at Buffalo. And uh, anyway, just the course of you know just putting who God put in front of me. There was always reasons for why he put who he put in right. front of me, and just the ability to fundamentally get guys better. That's what's missing in the NFL to me. Is there's a lot of quarterback coaches. Everybody's an X and O guy. You know, the X is no. Nobody's going to hire you, but. How many guys can get somebody better fundamentally? Because yeah. I coached the wishbone for 14 years, I had to get everybody better. Great Christian yeah. Kenny Hatfield. He, he's going to recruit a quarterback that could fly and make two guys miss on every play. I mean, could <laughs> run. He didn't care if they could throw it across the street. He told me that was my job to get them where they could throw. And so that's wow. for 12 years, that's what I did. And it really helped me in the NFL to, uh, you know, I was still in it. So yeah. we'll see. Yeah. I'm so glad God has you here. And as you're naming these uh, athletes that you're working with now, the word that's coming to my mind is influence. And you still have a tremendous influence, not just in their mechanics of how to throw a pigskin, but also your God story, your faith story. Uh, it's, it's evident you know, that Christ is a priority in your life. As you interact with these athletes, you have opportunity to influence them. And um, it's really what FCA is about. That's you exactly know, right. It's helping coaches and athletes come to that place in their life where they have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And then we integrate them into a church, into a community of faith. So, David, I just want to thank you for this conversation. It's been so great. Uh, as you've recounted uh, your story, uh, I'm, I'm getting excited. Football season's uh, upon us here soon. And uh, thank you for the, the influence in the, the world of football and in the world of faith. We appreciate that. Well, Greg, I just want to thank you for your commitment and your love for the Lord. And 
you know, anybody that's been around FCA knows that, you know, you got, you know, you know, they don't pay us, pay you six figures to do what you're doing. And, 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 and there's so many pro athletes. I just want to speak to you for just a second. I mean, I don't have to tell you guys, there's zillions of you a hundred miles north of us in Miami and in these three counties put together, Broward and West Palm Beach, get involved and call Greg Anderson and see if you can speak and share your testimony with these young people. Cause Hey, they don't know who David Lee is, but they know who you are. You're all across the NFL and you grew up down here and hey let's give something back so hey let's give something back to FCA because I can't tell you the number of players and quarterbacks I would take the FCA camp in Black Mountain or take out in, in uh, uh, Colorado you know and let them hear you know guys like you stand up there and share your faith so you guys in South Florida let's go let's get moving and, and get this thing popping like it can be and like you know God would love for you to be a part of come on yeah God bless you brother thank you Wow, what a great conversation. I was lucky enough to sit in the background while they chatted, and it was so much fun. We'll be back for more episodes like this. You will not want to miss them. In the meantime, be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Links will be in the description. Also, check out www.fcapbc.org to learn more about FCA Palm Beach County. Learn about our events and meet our staff. You'll love us. Until next time, this is Jason Banjo. God bless everyone. Everyone.